This morning is taken from the Old Testament book of Job. If you've got a Bible, you might want to uh, turn to it. It's Job chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 1. Job 1, and reading from verse 1. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their home, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of fasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, He would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, Perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going to and fro in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put our servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burnt up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. And suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray this morning that you might speak into our lives, into our situations and into our hearts. That you might reveal yourself to us through your word. That as we search your word, that we would find you. And in finding you, we would discover your son, Jesus Christ. In his name, we pray together this morning. Amen. (laughs) 
I don't know if you like the book of Job or are familiar with it. Um, I've uh, mentioned it before and I'll probably mention it again that it is uh, my uh, favourite book in the Old Testament and um, I really like it and I've spent uh, many hours uh, within its pages. And uh, this morning um, I really want to explore uh, just those last few verses of chapter 1 and uh, I want to do that um, um, but there is, a, there is a soundtrack to the sermon this morning you might or might not be pleased to know because I've had this song kind of, uh, uh, you know you know when you get a, a song and it's just there in the back of your mind and this song has been uh, in my mind now for a couple of weeks, uh, Blessed Be Your Name by Matt Redmond and Beth Redmond, we're going to sing it later on, uh, many of you will be uh, familiar with it but this is kind of the soundtrack uh, to the sermon because this song is taken Uh, Some of the words from this song are taken from this uh, first chapter of Job. uh, Particularly that idea of the Lord giving and the Lord taking away. And yet still being able to praise the name of the Lord. And that's what I really want to uh, explore uh, with you this morning. Um, Can we still praise the name of the Lord when God takes away as well as when he gives? And... uh, <clears throat> this is Job, uh, in case you wondered what he looked like. Um, and uh, the first thing that I wanted to say to you is that worship of God is always a choice. Whether or not we worship God is always a choice. A mother uh, goes upstairs, uh, bangs on the son's door, and says, It's 10 o'clock. It's time to get up. You're going to be late for church. The son replies, I'm not going, Mum. The mum walks into the room and says, why not? Give me two good reasons why, you'd, why you're not going to church this morning. The son says, well, well, first of all, I don't like the people. And secondly, the people don't like me. His mum says, you will get up and you will go to church. The son says, well, give me two good reasons why I should. The mum says, well, first of all, you're 44. And secondly, you're the minister of the church. (laughs) Worship is always a choice. Worship is always a choice. Matt and Beth Redmond uh, uh, wrote a little book uh, connected to the song that they wrote, Blessed Be Your Name. And under the, the chapter headed, My Heart Will Choose to Say, which is some words from the song, this is what they say. They say... Worship is always a choice. At times it's an easy, straightforward one. When life is peaceful and painless, the choice to respond to God in thanksgiving and praise may not be such a harsh one to make. But at other times in our lives, worship becomes a much gutsier decision. Caught up amidst a whirlwind of pain and confusion, the decision to cry out, Yet I will praise you, is a costly act of devotion. I like that idea that worship of God is a a gutsy decision, that it takes guts to worship God. That it isn't something that will always come naturally to you. If I, as your minister, um, dare to confess that there are perhaps mornings when I don't feel like coming to church, you'd be shocked and say, surely that can't possibly be the case, you're our minister. You live and breathe church. But the reality is that there are times when to worship God is a gutsy decision. 
that we choose, despite what's going on in our lives, the circumstances, that we choose to say uh, with Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because that's the astonishing choice that Job makes. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Gutsy words, especially considering what we've just read from the first chapter of Job. Gutsy words. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. So worship is always a choice. Worship is always a choice. And if you think about the things that sometimes preventing, prevent us from, from worshipping, it's very often when things go wrong in our lives. It's very often when things go wrong in our lives. And part of the, the reason why maybe we choose to stay away from church or not to worship God is, I think, because we haven't really thought out our theology correctly. We haven't really thought out why we come to church and why we praise God. The truth is, when when things go wrong, uh, most of us are shocked. We expect life to go well. I was reading uh, in a a book that James Jones wrote about about suffering, and, and he says this, most of us go through life constantly surprised when something hard or painful happens to us. We seem to expect that life should be smooth. That's certainly the view in the majority of people who live in the first world, as opposed to the third world. There have been such advances in medical science that somehow we feel cheated if the doctors can't find a cure for our diseases. Many people have good access to excellent health care and consequently live much longer. But this has encouraged an attitude in these privileged circles that pain and suffering are an unnatural intrusion into life. And that's how we view pain and suffering, isn't it? As an unnatural intrusion into our lives. Because most of the time, our lives are pretty good and and pain-free. And so, in the book of Job, we are brought face to face with somebody who is challenged. Can he still worship God, despite the fact that his whole life has fallen apart? Can he still, will he still choose to worship God. At the beginning of Job, we have this wonderful picture uh, where Job's life and his relationship with God are in perfect harmony. Job is the greatest man in all the East, and God himself says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. So the relationship is in perfect harmony. But now... Everything has been taken away from Job. Job's life is no longer great. And the question is, what will he choose to do? Worship is always involves a choice. Worship is also about our response to God. It's about how you and I choose to respond to God. It's interesting, isn't it, this morning that, uh, that, you know, it was lovely when one of the children, uh, when we said which of these faces uh, belong in church, straight away it was happy. And it was lovely. Um, because what that says is that child's experience of church is a happy one. And he assaults happiness uh, with church. And that's wonderful and brilliant. And uh, we should be pleased about that. And uh, we're pleased to have children. And especially children who are happy to be here. Uh, and we know as, as children grow older, uh, they might not always be quite so happy to be here. But let's rejoice in the happiness of a child to be in a place 
where they want to worship God and bounce around and just be joyful and, and noisy. And it's great, isn't it? You know, to hear the noise of children bouncing around, being glad to be here. Never, ever, you know, uh, moan about the noise of children because I've been in many churches where there aren't any children and it's very quiet. And the people are actually moaning about the fact that there's no children. So uh, let's rejoice in that. But our, our worship is a res- our response. It's how we respond to God. And uh, in the book of Job, what we find out is about how Job responds to God in desperate circumstances. David Kleins, he's, he's written uh, three classic commentaries, a three-volume commentary on Job, and I'm really excited because they've been released one at a time, and the third one's just been released, and uh, I shall be going on Amazon and seeing whether I can afford to purchase it. It's a bit sad, I know, but, uh, but I, I, I really do like the book of Job, and I've been waiting for this final uh, chapter. But this is what he says uh, the book of Job is all about. He says, the problem answered in the book of Job is not do innocent people suffer, because obviously they do, we know that. Uh, nor is it the question of why innocent people suffer. We'd love to know the answers to the question of that. But he suggests the book of Job isn't answering that question. He says, but here what is posed is the existential question. What should innocents do when inexplicable suffering comes upon them? In other words, how should we respond when life takes a turn for the worse? How should we respond when... The rain falls and the storm clouds gather. How do we respond is the question that uh, Klein suggests is being delved into in the book of Job. And in the sense, um, we don't always see it when we read it, you know, there is, a, there is this tension, how is Job going to respond to God? And although I've, uh, I've read this, this passage many times, I've, I've not always noticed the tension. Uh, do you remember earlier on, there's that bit in the story that we don't like. Uh, I could spend the rest of the, the morning talking and exploring that, but we'll save that for another occasion, maybe a cafe church. Uh, this conversation that, that God has with, the, with this Satan character, and, and, and he says to God, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, no wonder Job's jumping him down and saying he's happy. Uh, his life is, is wonderful. You've given him all his wonderful things. He's every reason, but take things away from him. Um... Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he'll surely curse you to your face. So in, in a sense, uh, the, the prologue in, in Job that Job isn't aware of is set up so that we have this tension. How is Job going to respond to all that happens to him? Is he still going to be able to worship God? God puts immense faith in his servant Job. He's already said that Job is innocent, so there's no question about the innocent person suffering, because Job is innocent, and God says it twice in case we didn't get it. The question really is about how he's going to respond, and God puts faith in his servant Job that he will respond in the correct way. And uh, there is this, this tension, isn't there? You know, how is Job going to respond? And what I noticed, which I hadn't noticed before, is uh, in verse 20, when it says, at this, this is Job's response, this is what we've been waiting for, at this, Job got up and tore his robe. This is what people did when they were mourning in, in the ancient times. Uh, they would tear their robes uh, as a kind of physical act of, 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 of what was happening in them. 
but after tearing his robe, it said he, he shaved his head. Now, I've never really thought about this before, but I'm, I'm presuming, I'm reading something into the text, it's not there, but I'm presuming he didn't have a pair of scissors in his pocket at the time. Or a pair of clippers. Uh, that this was a, a kind of uh, drawn-out response. He tears his clothes. He presumably has to go inside and, and use whatever they use to, to then shave his head. So this, is, this, this reaction um, is a reaction that's kind of that's taken a lot longer than we actually read in, 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 the, in the Scripture. We, we wanted to jump straight through into what Job is going to say, but actually the first response is an action. He tears his clothes in dismay and, and maybe anger or sadness. And then he goes and shaves his head, which again was a, was, a, was a sign of what they did. We read often in the Old Testament about people shaving their heads and, and putting uh, sackcloths on and sprinkling themselves with ashes as a sign of, of, of a, a period of mourning. And, and Job does this, and then he falls down to the ground in worship. He falls down to the ground in worship. Astounding, astounding verses in, in the scripture that Job's response before he says anything is he goes through this ritual if you like of tearing the clothes and, and shaving the head and then physically falling down on his knees in worship we should be absolutely gobsmacked by this response this is not what we are expecting and let's be honest it isn't how we respond to bad news is it when the messenger comes and knocks at the door with bad news, we don't fall on our knees in worship. I guess. Well, I don't, if I'm honest. So we are absolutely gobsmacked by this response, that he falls down on his feet in worship. And then he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in that, what Job is saying is that everything that I had... Remember, he was the richest man in the East... Uh, everything that I had belonged to God. As hard and as difficult and as painful it is, it was all God's. He has the right to give and to take away. I don't like it. Job didn't like it. You probably don't like it. We're very happy when God is giving out. Uh, we're not very happy when God is taking it away. But Job recognised that God's name is still to be praised. Even when the Lord is taken away. Gutsy worship. Hold on to that phrase, gutsy worship, because there'll be times in your life uh, when you need to know about gutsy worship. I should have said, really, if, if your life is plain sailing and, and you've got no problems, no, no, no sorrows, uh, and, and, and the life is great, you could have had a kind of free pass and, 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 and this message really isn't for you. Uh, but if your life is sometimes a struggle and sometimes you're faced with hardships and difficult situations then and hang around a little bit and see if Job can help us. The Lord gave and the Lord take away. Worship is about our response. It's how you and I respond to God in all circumstances. How we respond to God. Worship is about a response to God. Job is having a bad day. You've probably picked that up by now, haven't you? He's having a bad day. He's, he's having uh, not just a bad day, but the worst day he's ever had in his life. He's having the worst day he's ever had in his life. And, uh, you know, you and I, we, we have bad days, don't we? We have those days uh, that we'd not rather not have to choose to live through. Things happen that we wish uh, didn't happen. 
Well, for Job, everything happened. He lost everything. He lost his livelihood. He lost his family. He lost his living. He lost his sheep and his goats and his donkey. All in one fell swoop. Everything is taken away. Uh, The messengers come, uh, one after another. Uh, Do you notice how it builds it up that one's hardly finished speaking before the next one arrives and then the next one arrives and then yet another messenger arrives, all with bad news. Have you had days like that, weeks like that, months like that, years like that, where every bit of news just seems to be bad news after bad news after sad news. Have you ever had times like that? The messengers start to arrive. And, uh, you know, worshipping God is, is not about pretending everything's okay when it's not. It's not about pretending everything's okay. Let's be honest. Uh, when we come to church and the minister says, you know, uh, which face uh, should we pick out? The children know uh, straight away that we're looking for the happy face, they think, don't we? Uh, but it's not just the children that think that. Uh, if we're honest, uh, you know, how many of us have put a false smile on when we've come to church? Maybe things are going on in our lives, but we walk through those doors and we feel the expectation is that we've got to be cheery. Uh, believe you me, as, as a minister, I feel the weight of that. You know, people expect the minister to be bouncing around and, and happy and, and, and joyful, and there's times when I am. Um, and, uh, you know, thank God for that. But there's other times when, it, you know, let's not pretend that everything's okay when it's not. Because, uh, you know, God actually wants us to be real. Uh, our worship isn't real when we sit here with fake smiles on our faces, uh, singing, You Have Made Me Glad. Uh, you know, it's okay sometimes when we're singing a song. If that's not you, it's actually okay to sit down and not sing it. Because, you know, sometimes it could be most annoying if, 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 if the worship group go off with a song saying, you've made me glad, and you're sitting there kind of seething because of something that's happened, uh, maybe just the morning before you come to church or the day before, and you're not feeling glad. Uh, you know, be honest with God. And uh, let him know how you feel. Because Job is. Because Job's response is an honest response. Everything okay, Job? Well, you know, when people say, how, how are you today? Uh, we know what the answer is supposed to be, don't we? And uh, Job would scream back, No! It's not okay. Imagine that, you go up to somebody after coffee, you just, you know, pleasantly, you know, and you say, how are you? And of course you're expecting the answer to be, fine, thank you, how are you? And somebody screams at you, No! I've had a terrible week. I've had an awful week. It's horrible. And you're thinking, gosh, I wish I'd never asked them. And you're making a mental note not to ask this person this question again. Because the reality is sometimes we don't want to know, do we? We don't really want to know how people are. We want to keep that kind of... But it's not real. And God wants us to be real with him and with one another. And Job screams, everything's not okay. Everything's not okay. Worship is about an honest response. It's about being honest with God, but also honest with others. And that takes guts. Let's go back to that phrase and, and hang on to that guts. You need to, it, needs, it needs guts, doesn't it, to be honest and say, well, actually, everything's not okay. What do you mean everything's not okay? You're the minister. If, if everything's okay and not okay with the minister, what chance do I stand? I'm just a, uh, you know what I mean? And, uh, but actually, let's be honest. Worship is about being honest with God. 
Job's response, you know, if you read the book of Job, you'll find that Job is, is, is terribly bluntly honest. And some people don't like how honest he is, because if you went into chapter 3, he'd be saying, I, 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 I wish the day that I was born could be wiped away. If you go into the rest of the, the chapters when, when his three friends come along and, 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 and try to, to commiserate with him, he screams and he shouts and he, and he vents his anger about the situation, but it's still an honest, worshipful response. It's interesting that Job is, is placed in that group of wisdom literature. It comes just before uh, the Psalms. And if you read the Psalms, the Psalms are full of heartfelt pleas. We read one right at the beginning of, 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 the, of, the, of, of the service. You know, many of the Psalms you know, start out with this heartfelt plea uh, of the sorrows and agonies that are going on in their lives. And yet, the Psalmist says, and yet I will still praise God. And that's what Job says. Worship is about an honest response. We can be honest with God. It's safe. You know, I shout and I get upset with people that I feel safe to do so. People that I know will still love me and care for me and not think any worse of me if I do that. We don't do that with people we don't feel safe with. With people that are going to reject us and back away and walk away. And uh, God is a safe person to go to. God can take it. And that relationship that Job has with God is expressed, yes, in this wonderful verses, but later on through anger, through questions, through pain, and through suffering. Worship is about an honest response. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. It's a gutsy thing to have to say. A gutsy thing. So... Worshipping God is, is not about uh, pretending something, but it's also not about how we are feeling. It's not just about how we're feeling. If we, uh, if we only worship God when we feel like it, there are times when it won't happen. That's obvious, isn't it? Imagine in my relationship you know, with my wife. Um, you know, imagine if I was only going to love her uh, when things were, were when it was like, let's say oh, I'm only going to love her uh, when the sun's shining in Rosendale <laughs> I don't think she'd be very happy would she she wouldn't be very happy because uh, it seems to rain a lot uh, so we've got to be careful it's not that because we've said it's okay to express our feelings but if worship is based on how we're feeling that we're only going to worship God when everything's okay uh, then there will be times when we're not able to worship God. There will be times when we're not able to worship God. When uh, Job's friend says, how are you today? And Job says, terrible, awful. His friend might think, well, you're not going to go to be worshipping God today because you're not feeling very good. And the truth and the reality is, when people stay away from church, when people stop worshipping God, very often in my experience in, in three different churches, it tends to be when things go wrong in their lives. It might be some sickness, it might be some problem, it might be the breakdown of the relationship, but they stop worshipping God because of the circumstances that are happening in their lives. And there's a sense in which, you know, if you start to, to kind of think about this, you can think, well, maybe if something's gone wrong in a relationship, maybe they shouldn't be worshipping God, or maybe they shouldn't be doing something. But actually, uh, people stop worshipping God at the very time that they need God and the fellowship of Christians. The very time that you need it, very often is the time when people stay away. Uh, these faces that, that we show the, the children, you know, we can come to God and we can come to church with any of those faces. 
and uh, God will accept us. Uh, other people might give us a, a bit of a wide berth, but so be it. Um, but God can cope with our, with our happiness, we know that. He can also cope with our sadness. He can also cope with our anger and our frustration. Because God is much bigger than us. So worshipping God shouldn't be about how we're feeling. Uh, you know, Matt and Beth Redman in the, in the song, uh, you know, talk about when the sun is shining and the world is all as it should be. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's easy, isn't it? That's easy. That's the easy part. But they also talk about uh, worshipping God in the wilderness, in the desert place, on the road marked with suffering. Uh, still I will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Gutsy decision. So worship isn't uh, about how we're feeling, because the reality is when we come to church, some of us will feel like jumping around and dancing. Others of us will feel like we want to be on our knees uh, because of circumstances and being weighed down with the troubles of life. And we have to cope in church with all those different feelings and emotions. Uh, You know, Paul talks in one of his letters about rejoicing with those who rejoice, and we're quite good at that, but he also talks about mourning with those who mourn. And we're not quite as good at doing that. So, worship based on how we feel will always be fickle. It will always be fickle if our worship is based on how we're feeling, if we can only worship God when we're feeling great about ourselves, great about life, great about everything, then our worship will be fickle because we all know that the tiniest little thing can cause us upset, can't we? Uh, Someone can say the wrong word, uh, something can happen, and uh, our moods, we we all have mood swings, don't we? We all uh, express different sorts of emotions and feelings. Probably even this morning, you've probably experienced, some of you will have experienced all those feelings on those faces. You'll have felt happiness, sadness, anger, and maybe boredom. That might be right now at this moment, so I'll move on. Worship based on how we feel will always be fickle. But sometimes... We use this phrase, don't we? Going through the motions. He's just going through the motions. And we use it in a negative way, don't we? We say, just going through the motions. But actually what I want to say to you this morning is sometimes going through the motions can be a good thing. Having a daily and weekly uh, ritual way of doing things that brings you into the presence of God, uh, going through that daily motion of devotion to God can actually be a good thing. Because if you determine that that's what you're going to do, and you say to yourself, it's like a routine that you're going to put yourself in, that this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to open up God's word, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to do that every single day of life, whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, whether things are going well, or whether things are going badly. Going through that motion is a good thing. Going through the motion of coming to church when you don't feel like it is actually a good thing. Because hopefully there might be something in the service that touches you or somebody that gets alongside you and is able to pray with you and encourage you. Going through the motion of worship is actually a good thing. And I think that's what Job is doing. His natural response, that things where he tears his clothes and shaves his head and falls, he's almost 
naturally, because we read that that was his, his daily custom, that was his daily custom to offer sacrifices to God. It's what he did every single day. And so when he has this terrible day, he goes through that ritual, through that motion of still offering himself to God. Going through the motions can actually be a good thing because it can be the thing that keeps us going. The thing that sustains our relationship with God in those difficult days that we all face. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. May the name of the Lord be praised. How do we respond? How do you and I respond? We've seen this wonderful example, but let's remember, God himself talks about Job as being perfect. There is a clue in that. There is a clue. Here is a model of a perfect, innocent person that suffers. Sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? Perfect, innocent person that suffers. Think about it. How do we respond? Because when we meet around the Lord's table, we are responding to God. We are responding to a God that goes through the pain and the suffering to reach you and I. It cost God an awful lot. There was an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of suffering in the cross that Jesus went to. Uh, But Jesus was willing to do that. He chose, we sang, didn't we? That song, you chose the cross. God makes a choice for us in the cross. How do we respond? Will we choose to worship God? Will we make that choice to worship God? Will we make that choice to worship God even on when we're on the road marked with suffering? Will we choose to worship God even when there's pain in the offering? Have you ever had that experience of worshipping God and it being a painful experience because it's not really what you feel like doing. But because God is who he is, he's still deserving of our worship. It doesn't change. God doesn't change. He doesn't become less worthy of worship because life is is rubbish or life is a mess. God is still to be worshipped. Even when there's pain in the offering. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offering ourselves to God. Uh, Paul actually uses the word sacrifice. And of course, a sacrifice (laughs) meant somebody had to die. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals. Jesus comes uh, to replace that sacrificial system and he offers his life on the cross. And the challenge and the call for us is to offer back to God our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In a moment we're going to have a chance to respond as we meet together around the Lord's table. But I just wanted uh, to play you that song. We're going to sing it later on at the end of the service, but I just wanted to play it to you. Um, Just 
because it's been the soundtrack to this sermon. And uh, as a way of entering into our communion service, I'm just going to play and listen to the words and uh, allow them to minister to you, whether you're you know, on that road that's full of sunshine or whether you're on that road that's marked with suffering. Allow this song just to minister to you. And I managed to find a version with Matt and uh, Beth Redmond singing it. So we're going to play that song to you now. <laughs> 